Welcome back to the podcast. We are women where beautiful minds inspire others. This is episode three. In today's podcast, I'm speaking with a Sydney-based clinical nutritionist, holistic coach and yoga instructor who loves to guide, inspire and educate people towards long-lasting health. And she focuses her philosophy on whole foods and a plant-based nutrition. She's been featured in various wellness articles and websites, including Orly, The Beauty Bible, Wellbeing Worldwide, and I Quit Sugar. She's the founder of Health and Bloom, which is a consulting practice and a holistic online space, striving to bring you easy information about health and delicious recipes. So in today's episode, we will be discussing Sammy's health journey from being a four-year-old vegetarian to yo-yo dieting as a teenager, and to now living a thriving life on a plant-based diet. What advice she has for women considering transitioning into becoming a vegan? What inspired her to create her business? And of course, what advice she has for other women wanting to pursue their dreams? So let's get started. from Sydney, Australia, Sammy Bloom. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. How are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you going? I'm good, thank you. I'm actually so excited to have you on my show. I came across your Instagram while I was seeking some inspiration and you have an incredible story. So just to dive right into it, could you please tell us how you first became a vegetarian and how you then transitioned to becoming into a vegan? Yeah, of course. Well, firstly, thank you for that introduction. That's very kind of you. It's always so nice to hear like how people, you know, find me and what they take from what I share. Um, So I started at a really young age. Um, I became vegetarian around age four, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. And I honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm not some baby genius. I definitely didn't know what I was doing, but I certainly didn't like the taste or the idea of eating animals. Um, I was really, you know, really in, into animals. I had a dog and I, I think something in my head just didn't feel right about it. I truly believe that, but I also just did not like the taste. And my mum would tell me that I would eat everything on my plate except for the meat. So she just eventually succumbed and was like, um, <laughs> okay, well, I, ha- I have to get really clear on what I can give you. And I was eating, um, eggs and cheese and dairy at that point. So I was vegetarian, but no fish, no meat from age four. No one else in my family was eating like that. Um, but I, I, did, I did and I loved it. And it kind of, I guess, sparked my curiosity about eating a vegetarian diet and mm-hmm. um, enjoying it. And I was very uh, adventurous with food. I was foods, I was eating beans and stuff well before most of my friends and different grains. So I guess I was really lucky that I had a mom that supported that decision. Yeah, that's beautiful. And then um, as, as my teen years came, came um, I guess I shifted from more, well, I mean, I didn't really know what I was doing when I was younger, but it, it did become a bit more about aesthetics and how I looked 
and weight. And I, and I went down a really unfortunate path of disordered eating at first, uh, and then which eventually led to an eating disorder a bit later on, still in my teen years. And that was really hard. I still was vegetarian, but I definitely wasn't healthy. And I was, and I had a really complicated relationship with food and I was quite unhappy in myself. Um, but it, it didn't seem so crazy at the time because so many people around me were going through the same thing. Yeah, exactly. So I worked through that. Um, and I will say there were waves of clarity and then there were waves of like down spirals. But um, when I was going through all of that, I had a lot of hormonal disruptions as weight tends to do, uh, like weight loss and weight gain tends to do. And so I was diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome as well. <laughs> oh, okay. And that, um, that also kind of made me, again, rethink my health, rethink my choices, rethink my diet. Um, so I was in this really conscious place about what I was eating, but I think I was motivated, motivated by the wrong things at first. And, um, I went into law and I became a lawyer and put all the health kind of stuff to the side. I was partying quite hard. I was just living like my early twenties, late teens, just doing, um, what you would do when you're in university and, (laughs) you know, getting your first job and everything. And so, I kind of just, I got to a point where I didn't feel good and, um, you know, I started to open up my mind to other, other ways. I wanted to obviously quit my eating disorder and I wanted to find something that I could sustain and feel good doing. But that came to me through yoga. I just started to really connect to myself through the practice of yoga, which was beautiful. Yeah. And it was so, I it before and I just don't think I was ready for it. Mm -hmm. I think I, I needed you know, to sweat and I needed to work out. But in at this time in my life, I was really happy to get, be given permission to slow down. And um, and that's honestly where I started to really deep dive and peel back the layers of who I was and what I wanted and what I was really doing. And um, I found that I wasn't really in, I wasn't living in alignment. And so I Finished law, worked in it for a blink of the eye, um, worked in advertising as well. And then I decided to go back to school and study nutrition. Okay. And through those studies and then my own research alongside that, as well as um, my husband became a little bit interested in it. And so together we made the decision to go vegan. So I will say that during my eating disorder phase, a bit till the tail end of it, I um I did try fish and chicken because I went down that whole low carb, high protein phase and I thought I needed to if I wanted to be healthy, that's what I needed. So in between vegetarian and vegan, I actually kind of went pescatarian. Okay. And and then I um and then I went straight to vegan. <laughs> oh wow, that is an incredible story and what a journey you've had. Yeah, it's it's pretty like there's a lot of it's multifaceted as everyone's journey is. Yes, of course. Well, knowing myself and as you mentioned before, you said that uh, dairy and eggs were still in your diet mm. uh, even at the end of it. And I think when I'm speaking to others and also transitioning myself, I think that last bit has been one of the most challenging things to let go of. <laughs> and so dur- sure. <laughs> during your transitioning, what were some challenges that you faced? I mean, you mentioned a few, but uh, just mm. to dive in a bit deeper. Um, yeah, I think, I think for me, uh, as I said, yeah, health complications and eat and like uh, disordered eating and body dysmorphia 
type of um, challenges. But in terms of my vegan transition, I'm, you know, I feel like I was really lucky because the meat part was easy. I never liked it. I was doing as having fish and maybe a bit of chicken just because I thought I needed to. So I really empathize and take my hat off to people who have eaten meat their whole lives and then they become vegan. Because to me, I think it's quite an easy, it was an easier transition. I don't like the taste of it and I never got used to eating it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yes, dairy was really hard to give up, but it actually is, and we'll talk probably about this a bit later. It's probably the first thing I tell people to give up even before meat because it is so addictive. And so I, and, th- and that way, in that re- regard, I, I knew how bad it was for me. So that really saw me through. It, I was really strict with myself with dairy because that was the one thing I didn't want. If anything, eggs were probably a bit harder for me because I didn't eat them often, but I did love a weekend breakfast. And um, yeah, that, that was a bit challenging. But to be honest, I, I think it's when you're doing it right, I think their vegan diet is so delicious and can be so seamless that I don't find it challenging. Oh, that's good. Well, one thing that I uh, love and that you also write about on your blog is that you eat for longevity and not for looks. Mm. How mm. important is that for you? Oh, it's, you know, and it's so important. And it's something that I still need to remind myself of, of course, because you can, you know, I had my wedding recently and you can go down a whole rabbit hole there. And obviously the two can go hand in hand sometimes and most often they do. But the the focal point of longevity has, has been something that's really made me um, keep my head straight and, and do it for the right reasons. So yeah, I definitely think people need to remind themselves of their true motivation. And sometimes you need to eat more and that's okay. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, so what advice uh, do you have for women wanting to transition or what are some baby steps they can start to take? Like you said, cut out dairy first. Mm, yeah. Okay. So, so what I do with patients and, um, and what I tell people in general is yet yeah, dairy should be the first to go. And I say that because if you have your other creature comforts, like if you're still eating meat or fish or whatever it is that you also include, you at least have them whilst you're trying to cut out dairy, which is the most addictive. So I think I go in there strong and I get rid of the thing that you're probably, that's probably going to be the hardest to let go of Okay. because everything else is the same. That's the one difference. So at least it's not too much change and it doesn't become overwhelming. It's just the one thing. And you know, dairy, it's, it's like, it's too addictive. It sends all those signals to the brain in a similar way to some drugs. It wreaks havoc on hormones, people's metabolism, the gut, the skin, So I really think it's got to go first. And from there, I would then say replacing sometimes the chicken or the meat or eggs in your salad with beans Okay. and half a cup would do. So whatever salad you make, take out the animal food, add the animal protein and add a plant-based protein like beans, half a cup. Um, and then... Instead of just like a meatless Monday, which I think is a good enough, it's a good initiative, but we can probably do a bit better. I would go for like one meal a day that is vegan. So at least you're getting seven vegan meals in the week and then you work your way up from there. Okay. Well, that's great. Yeah. And breakfast is often the easiest because people are either having cereal, which is often vegetarian if they're having milk. And they can just replace that milk with something else. Obviously, I'd I'd rather a less processed breakfast. So, you know, instead of a bacon and egg roll or something, have a smoothie. Or instead of milk in your oats, put, 
you know, almond milk in your porridge and, mm. and have it that way. So breakfast, I find, is the easiest to change for people. Okay, well, thank you for that. Well, as you know, there are a lot of misconceptions about vegans and especially, you know, about mm-hmm. proteins as well. What do you think are some <laughs> of the biggest misconceptions? Yeah, so I actually have um, an ebook coming out. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when for that oh, one. Oh, that's so good. But I do, like, I have a whole section called Buster Myth, and it's definitely about all the misconceptions around the nutrients. I mean, I guess as an overarching statement, a lot, a lot of people think that the vegan diet is an incomplete diet. So mm, exactly. I think that's probably the biggest myth. Um, I think it's a, uh, it's a 100% complete diet. And um, the objection to that for most people who have kind of looked into it would be, well, you have to supplement B12. And um, whilst that's true, I do think that vegans do need to supplement B12. And depending on their levels, it might only have to be a few times a week. Um, so do, so too do um, meat eaters. I, there's, I, I see a variety of uh, diets. I don't just treat plant-based people. I treat anybody who you know wants to work toward being healthier. And I have not seen you know, one person who eats meat that doesn't need a supplement. And often it's B12 as well, or it's iron as well. So I think you need to look a little bit further than just food intake sometimes. And we need to start looking at our environment, you know, heavy metals, environmental toxins and digestion and what we're absorbing as opposed to just what we're eating. Mm, Exactly. Well, Um, I I totally agree with you. But at the same time, yes, we do need to supplement B12. However, the main reason we do need to do this is because it comes from the soil. It doesn't originate in animals. Animals eat soil. And in this day and age, we wash our fruit and vegetables. So it's a bit difficult to get those microbes in the soil. So, yes, we should supplement. And I don't recommend people eating soil. Um, yeah. And so I guess the soil these days wouldn't be as nutrient as when. Yeah, there's that argument as well. Mm-hmm. So, um I, I definitely think it can still be considered a complete diet. And so long as, you know, we're differentiating between just a vegan diet, which can obviously be, you know, under eating could be considered a vegan diet, but that's not the vegan diet. That's the problem. It's the fact that you're not meeting your nutrient requirements through food. Okay. So we need to look at eating enough, eating whole foods, uh, plant-based. And um, another one other than B12 would be protein, of course. And everyone who's, who's been vegan for some time will know that that's the first question most people ask you about. <laughs> and it's so ironic because it's on the macronutrients. It's, it's the least or it's, what, it's between, you know, carbs, fat and protein. Fat and protein aren't necessary as much as carbs. So, I mean, I often ask people who are on keto diets, well, where do you get your carbs from? Mm. And that should be, you know, some people will say 50%, 60%, 70% of our diet, but we're focusing on this other, this small percentage. Um, So protein, you definitely can get enough protein on a vegan diet. And I'm sure you're aware of that. Um, Even just by eating enough calories, you should meet protein requirements, but everyone has different goals and um, needs. So I think you just have to, it's about adjusting the macros that work for you. Um, so if you feel like you're somebody who needs more protein, sure, have a plant-based protein powder or use spirulina or, um, you know, have half a cup to one cup of beans in a dish as opposed to just, you know, a, a small amount. Um, but all, all plant foods have all the amino acids and that's been proven since the time we thought that they didn't. They might be a bit less in some, but they're all there and our body has this really incredible way of complementing everything for us. So there's no need to worry about food, uh, protein combining. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for that. 
Well, for me personally, self-care and eating organic and moving, nourishing my body through mm. yeah, for diet is common and an everyday thing for me. And I'm sure it's for you as well. But for some people who are still struggling with this, what are some tips uh, that you, for example, like how can people add more vegetables into their diet and mm-hmm. yeah, a few other tips and tricks that you have? Okay. Um, so well, to add more vegetables into their diet, like I said before, smoothies are a really good one because, you know, that they're mainly based in fruit, but a handful of spinach really goes unnoticed. It just changes the color quite a bit, but you probably won't taste it. So I love to recommend people just to green up their smoothies a little. Um, even with juices, you know, with getting like a nice vegetable juice with a bit of fruit as opposed to a fruit juice with a bit of vegetables. So if you have a green juice, make sure it's mostly greens and then adding a bit of apple or pineapple but not making that the star of the show and then that's the same with your plate you know meat if you're going to keep it in the diet you just need to have it as a side a small side dish to the plate and then the rest of the plate should be colorful plant-based starches and vegetables um, and grains and then maybe eventually that little side dish becomes smaller and smaller until it's no longer there or until you just have it a few times a week whatever that is for for the individual so just crowding things out on your plate and really sticking to the vegetables that you like first and mm. then maybe exploring others. Don't, don't you know, try and overwhelm yourself. If, if you like peas, sweet potatoes and asparagus, then have that until you're, you're like really happy with having that and then you can move on to trying other ones. Um, and then with organic, I mean, I'm a big believer in organic food as well, but it can get really expensive. So I'm sure we've all heard of the clean 15 and dirty dozen. (laughs) (laughs) If you can just um, try to buy whatever from the dirty dozen that you like organic, I'm not saying you have to buy all 12. Oh, sorry. Oh, the clean 15. (laughs) No, of the dirty dozen, buy those ones organic. (laughs) And then um, you can buy the rest you know non-organic or pesticide free or just going to a farmer's market where it might be a little cheaper there's a lot of um community boxes nowadays that you can order online and they kind of pick you know 15 things for you for the week which is actually a really interesting way to experiment with new vegetables so that's, oh, that's good great idea. and they're often a bit cheaper because you know you don't have the control over what you select so it's probably like what's in season and what's most affordable that week but you know you get quite a bit so for like a $50 box, you'd get probably enough for the week of a lot of different fruits and veggies, or I think they range in price depending on how many people are in your household. Mm. Um, and then what was it? What was the other question? Was it just? Uh, no, that was well, just other tips and tricks that you have oh, in well, terms food, of food uh, prep, I guess. Food yeah. prep is a really good one to bring up now then. You know, every, um, I get this all the time about my food prep, but basically... I kind of don't often prep meals. I more prep staples that can go in meals. So, you know, I don't always prep a big curry that will last me all week. I'd rather prep, I roast a tray of vegetables and then I boil some rice and then I make like a salad dressing. And that kind of, I add that to my meals as I go throughout the week, as opposed to making everything in bulk and like separating it up. That works for me might not work for other people but if I if you have that tray of roast vegetables you can kind of add it to your salads just to make them more interesting and that way you're getting hopefully some cruciferous vegetables into your day as well 
Oh, that um, sounds great. Sounds very yeah. good. I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> yeah. So just, and you know, it's just an hour to two hours, maybe on a Sunday by the time you cut vegetables, which isn't very hard and put them in the oven. And then you just do one other, one or two other things whilst that's cooking. It's no more than two hours and, you know, make it an event. I kind of like to make it more of a, a thing where I put music on, you know, I open my windows, maybe I like burn incense or a candle or something, or I listen to a podcast, whatever it is. It's like kind of, it's a nice time to kind of just prepare yourself for the week. Hmm. Now that sounds great. So um, we also, we already touched base on this a little bit um, before about proteins. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what are some of your favorite proteins? Okay. Yeah. So I would, um, I, beans, I put beans in every salad pretty much. Um, so that's, you know, kidney beans, black beans, navy beans, cannelloni beans, any of them plus chickpeas or lentils they're all considered a good source of protein. I think lentils may be one of the higher ones, but really rotating your food is really good. So don't just stick to one if possible. And then tempeh and tofu. I don't, I don't have any issues with um, organic soy, especially in Australia where it's non-GMO. Obviously if you're anywhere else checking that it is non-GMO and organic and having that a couple of times a week is also really good. It's a great source of protein um, and calcium and there's a lot of research that shows that there really is nothing wrong with it. And I think that the like the estrogen effect that everyone's so worried about, it's it's not necessarily it's phyto it's a phytoestrogen, so it adapts to what you specifically need. It doesn't bring up your estrogen if you don't need it. And there's been a lot of studies on that, even with certain cancers. So I think it's um a bit of a misconception. That should probably have gone in the myth session section too. <laughs> Soy. Um and grains like quinoa and brown rice, you know, they're, they're considered a protein. Um, all vegetables, by the time you add up, add them up in a salad, you're probably getting around six grams there. So everything, everything contributes to your protein intake. Um, but then as like a superfood type of booster, I like to use nutritional yeast. Okay. And I put a few tablespoons of that in a salad. And that's, I think one tablespoon is like three and a half to four grams of protein. So by the time you put two or three tablespoons in, if you're as addicted to it as I am, it's quite a lot with, with everything else. Um, so nutritional yeast is a really good one for salads or pastas or any any savory dish it could probably work in, soup. Um, and spirulina, I like to use that in my morning smoothie, which is also a similar, I think it's about three or four grams for a tablespoon as well, I think. Okay, well, that's a great, a great few tips and a few things that I have to start implement, especially that nutritional mm-hmm. yeast sounds really interesting. Oh, have you not tried nutritional yeast? I think I might have tried it ages ago from a friend, but I haven't. Uh, I think mm. if, I think that was it anyway. It's really <laughs> cheesy tasting. Um, it's not a pathogenic yeast. If you have candida overgrowth, it's it actually helps combat it. It's not. It doesn't contribute to it. It's um, a very ben- beneficial yeast for our systems, and. You can make a lot of cheeses with it or cheese sauces or things like that. Oh, sounds very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's delicious. So I'm also very curious about how what inspired you to start your business. And yeah, if you could tell us a little bit about your business. Okay. So, um, well, when I started studying uh, nutrition, I pretty early on, maybe like six months in or maybe a year, but I think a bit earlier than that. Um, I just obviously was learning so much and I had so much to share with people and I began to become interested in cooking, which I certainly wasn't. I mean, I wasn't a good cook before and I'm a pretty lazy cook. I I cut a lot of corners. (laughs) 
So I just started to share that on Instagram, my recipes, um, my help, like what I was learning at school. And that only kind of grew when I went vegan as well. You know, I became much more passionate about showing people how delicious plant-based foods could be. Hmm. Um, And I was still studying at this point. So my blog was kind of what I was doing on the side. I was teaching a bit of yoga as well. And at the early phases, I was working in marketing for a health food company. So I was, I was more kind of something I wanted to start so that when I graduated, I could launch into a full nutrition consulting business. And that's exactly what I did. As soon as I graduated, I had this great community that I could kind of share myself with. And I got bookings quite easily because I'd already built that up, um, which I do recommend to nutrition students if you want to consult. Like having a blog is a really good marketing tool. Um, and so, yeah, I just got to share. I was basically just sharing my health philosophy and my own journey. And then if that resonated with other people and they needed help as well, they booked in and I've been consulting. Um, I was consulting in Bondi before and now I'm in the Northern Beaches and doing a bit in the city as well. And yeah, I, so I basically I see clients a couple of days a week and I and I do a range of different consults. I love the plant-based transitions. That's definitely a favorite, but I certainly see a variety of different um different different people's uh, concerns. And I was just inspired to get into this profession because it's definitely something that I feel I can maintain throughout different life stages. Um, and, and law wasn't really that for me and it didn't have the passion. I didn't have the passion for it that I do with this. Um, so I think, you know, I'm super lucky to be able to work in it in something that engages me so much and that I'm, so, and that I'm so passionate about. Yeah. And I love that. And that sounds extremely rewarding. Yes. It, that's it. The consulting part of it. I mean, all of it's rewarding, but specifically when you see results or you're just empathetic with people, you know what they're going through. It, it, there's nothing that feels better. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, gratitude and is very important to me. And what what are three things that you're very grateful at the moment for? Mm. I'm really grateful for my home and where I live. I'm really happy on the northern beaches, and I love my house. I just am like having so much fun decorating it and just you know, finding my routines in here. So I'm, I love I, every morning. I think how grateful I am to wake up here. Um, I'm grateful for um, always supportive relationships. And so my husband is very supportive. Um, and my mom, she's also been very supportive of me. So I always, I always thank, you know, the people around me for kind of helping me on my path. And another thing I'm grateful for is probably what else can I say? Um, well, just, I guess my, my access to really good food. I live in a part of the world where there's lots of farmers markets and online, um, organic delivery stores and things like that. So I'm just grateful that I have, you know, access to all this beautiful food and that I'm feeling healthy eating it. And that I just love sharing that knowledge. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Thanks for asking. I, I got two more last questions for you. Mm-hmm. And so what quote do you live by? Um, it's funny you say that, actually, because I, I just recently printed off a little, a few quotes next to my desk <laughs> that I've framed. Um, but I'm looking at one now. And I, I like to do this because this probably really speaks to me. So it says, don't let fear of judgment stop you. You can choose to chase the standards set by other people or you can wholeheartedly trust in the worth of your own. Hmm. I don't know if that's a quote by anybody or if I just read bits of that somewhere, but I feel like <laughs> the fear of judgment is something that a lot of us, 
you know, we kind of hold ourselves back with that. So that's a really nice daily reminder that I get to see. Yeah, I love that. And I actually wrote a post about that a few days ago ah, well, myself. Go. So I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. Um, and then I'll say one more thing that I also have on there. It's kind of a little challenge I set for myself. And I just have the words, how can I be more free? Hmm. And I mean, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but it's just like a question where I can kind of see if there's anything I need to shed, shed to kind of shed more light into my life. Oh, that's beautiful. And the last question. So what advice do you have for other women wanting to pursue their dream or, you know, set a goal or just, yeah, do anything? Yeah. Um, well, I guess I will say I think it's always worth it. So if it means something to you and if you believe in it, if you're willing to work hard and it means it might mean making sacrifices or going through some rough patches and doubt go for it it's definitely a rewarding you know to to re realize your dreams or to be working toward them there's nothing more worthwhile or rewarding and I think I said it before to have a, a job or a career or even a hobby that keeps you passionate and engaged we should really all be so lucky to live um, in this life where we can do that so it's 100% worth it it will be hard work and there will definitely be moments of doubt so as long as your purpose and your motivation is strong I think you, you can get through that and you'll always, you just keep going because you know, you're, you know the direction. So just be crystal clear with what direction you want to take. Oh, I love that. And thank you so much for sharing your tips. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for interviewing me. This is really fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast and sharing what you do and what you believe in. It's been absolutely lovely talking to you. Oh, you too. Thank you. I hope to connect again. Yes, I hope so too. Have a lovely day. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye. Bye.